good evening, church. It's a blessing to be with you all tonight. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, some instructions that Paul gives to the church. Last week, we, uh, in verse 19, we learned about what it means to not grieve the Holy Spirit. And tonight, in verses 20 and 21, we are going to see a specific application of verse 19. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit by not despising prophecies. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 20 to 21. And here we read, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. We're given instructions here on how to handle revelation. God's revealed word is a treasure that is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. It's the most valuable commodity that we have, and we are not to handle it flippantly. So our main idea for tonight is simply this. Handle God's word with care. Handle God's word with care. Our passage gives us three ways to carefully handle God's word. First, it tells us to not despise prophecy to accept revelation. Second, it tells us to test everything, to test revelation. Three, it tells us to hold fast to what is good, to hold fast to true revelation. So point one, the first way that God tells us to carefully handle his word is to accept revelation. We are not to despise prophecy. And what are we talking about here when we say prophecies? Well, True prophecies are God's inerrant and infallible revealed word. So tonight I'm going to be saying that we're using the words prophecy, I'm going to be using the word revelation, I'm going to be using God's word, I'll be using all of that interchangeably. Prophets served as the mouthpieces of God, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They served as the authoritative proclamation of God's promises, his commands, and his judgments. Sometimes they spoke to us new revelation. Other times they reminded God's people of what had been revealed in the past. And in the first century, when Paul is writing this letter, the prophets are still prophesying. They're working alongside the apostles to lay the foundation of the church. These prophecies were a gift from God for building up the church, for encouraging God's people, and for consoling them. Prophecies were the way that the church came to know God and to understand the mysteries of God. The prophets equipped the saints for the work of ministry and for building up the body of Christ. And the end goal of prophecies were unity, knowledge, and maturity. In all this, we see that God's word is absolutely essential for the church. His word creates the church, it builds the church, and it sustains the church. A church that accepts God's word is a church that is not quenching the Holy Spirit. It's a church that is doing the will of God. So on Sundays, we can be confident that the Holy Spirit is guiding us in all truth because God's word is being read, it's being preached, it's being sung, it's being prayed, and it's being seen in the ordinances. Throughout the week, you can be confident that you're not quenching the Spirit if you're reading God's word if you're meditating on it, and if you're striving to apply it to your life. 
I recognize that this isn't necessarily easy. This is, this is tough work. We're, we're told to not despise prophecies because our sinful hearts are inclined to reject God's word. On the one hand, God's word confronts us in our sin. Many of the Old Testament prophecies, they were judgments on sin and calls to repentance. And God's word still does the same thing with us today. So if God's word is convicting you of sin, if his word feels judgmental to you, if it's calling you back to a right relationship with God, recognize that this revelation is a gift. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's an encouragement from God himself for your upbuilding, for your maturity. Don't despise it. Don't reject it. Don't ignore it. Accept it, embrace it, and repent. Another reason that accepting God's word is tough work is because there are a lot of contradicting voices claiming to speak for God. Islam, for example, claims that Muhammad was God's true prophet. Mormonism claims that Joseph Smith saw a prophetic vision and wrote it down in the Book of Mormon. The United Church of Christ claims that God is still speaking, and therefore churches should be more inclusive, accepting, and tolerant. All throughout human history, people have claimed to speak for God. But God has been gracious enough to equip his people with the tools to discern true revelation from false prophecies. And so that leads us to our second point. The second way to handle God's word with care is to test revelation, to test everything. How do we do this? The Bible gives us two tests that every prophecy needs to pass. The first test is the scriptures test. Does this revelation align with what God has already inerrantly revealed? Now, I find it interesting that Paul is giving this charge to the Thessalonians uh, in light of what happened during his first visit to Thessalonica. Uh, Acts 17, Paul comes to Thessalonica. He reveals the truth about Christ in the synagogues, and some believed, hence this church that Paul is writing to. But most of the Jews rejected the gospel and end up starting a mob. And the believers then quickly sent Paul and Silas off to Berea uh, for their safety. And, and then in Berea, Paul does the exact same thing that he does in Thessalonica. But in Berea, it says these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed. In Acts 17, we essentially have a case study for how to handle revelation. Paul is essentially telling the church in Thessalonica, don't be like the Jews in your town. Be like the Jews in Berea. So what happens when we examine revelation against the scriptures? For one, we learn that God doesn't change. God's character doesn't change. His ways don't change. His plans don't change. He has no reason to change because he's perfect. And we should have no reason to want him to change. If he were to change, he'd be less than perfect. He would also not be trustworthy. If God were different today than he was yesterday... Who's to say that he's not going to change again tomorrow? And how can we trust that we're going to end up in his good graces once he changes? No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we run across revelation, if we run across a prophecy 
uh, an interpretation of the scriptures that makes God seem to be different than what he has already inherently revealed about himself, we can be confident that what's being revealed about God is false. So first test, the scriptures test. Second test, the Jesus test. What does this revelation say about Jesus? 1 Corinthians 12.3, Paul writes, No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4.1-3 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Who is Jesus? Is he Lord? Is he the second person of the Trinity? Is he begotten and not created? Is he fully God and fully man? Did he live on earth in perfect obedience to God? Did he atone for sin? by substituting himself in the place of sinners and paying sin's penalty by dying on the cross? Did he resurrect bodily? Did he ascend to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father? Will he come again to judge the living and the dead? Is he the only way of salvation? True revelation about Jesus Christ answers all these questions with a resounding yes. You see, false prophecies, false revelation, lies about God will strive to make you believe that God the Father and God the Son are less than who they have revealed themselves to be. But God the Spirit testifies to the truth about the triune God with unwavering consistency and clarity. So if, the, if the, the prophecy, the revelation, if what you're hearing about God doesn't pass the scriptures test, if it doesn't pass the Jesus test, you have a false prophecy. If the revelation does pass these tests, then we're finally given instruction on what to do with it. The third instruction for handling God's word is to hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to true revelation. To cling to it. Bind yourself to it. Abide in it. As Proverbs 7.3 says, bind it on your fingers and write it on the tablets of your heart. Church, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is a complete canon of scripture. The foundation of the church has been laid, the office of the prophet has ceased, and we have received the sufficient word of God in the Bible. These that are in our Bible, these are the revelations that we are to hold fast to. These are the words that have been tested and proven true. These are the words that are trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So let me ask you, how are you holding on to God's word? Are you holding on with a white-knuckle grip? Are you holding on to it loosely? Are you accepting his word as the gift that it is? And handling it with care? Are you testing the temptations of your heart against them? See, while God's voice is the only inerrant and infallible truth, it may not always be the loudest in our lives. 
Sometimes our experiences, our trials, our temptations, sometimes they may be screaming in our ears, perpetuating lies about God and about ourselves. So sure, God may say that he hears me, but he didn't answer my prayers. The Bible says that he's just, but my boss keeps getting away with treating me like dirt. It says he's loving, but I've never felt more alone and deserted. It says he's the God of peace, but my life is just battle after battle. When sin screams something different than what God says, by his grace, we have been equipped to turn up the volume on his voice. See, our God speaks with infinite volume, and the Holy Spirit has gifted us with a surround sound, state-of-the-art stereo system to hear God speak to us. So when God's voice seems faint, surround yourself with opportunities to hear him. If you don't have a Bible or you misplaced your Bible, take one from the pew. That's the first way to hear from God. Read and meditate on his word. Replace your evening TV time with evening scripture reading time. Scroll through his word before you scroll through social media. See, some of us, we don't hear from God simply because we don't prioritize in taking his word. So consider how your schedule could change to amplify God's voice throughout your day. Along with his word, he's also given us the church to reveal himself to us and to build us up. On Sundays, pay special attention not only to the sermon, but also to the scripture readings, the prayers, and the songs. Our entire service is ordered for us to hear from God. On top of the order of worship, he's also given us shepherds and teachers to equip us and build us up. So don't hesitate to reach out to your elders. I can give you their number if you need it. He's also given us members to speak truth and love to us. So brothers and sisters, surround yourself with God's people throughout your week. Not just for the sake of getting together, but for the sake of intending for them to speak God's word to you. Don't just settle for small talk and current events. Share your struggles with them. Ask for guidance. See how God's word has directed them. Finally and most importantly, God has given us his son. Jesus has revealed God to us because he himself is the very word of God. Not only that, but Jesus also was the fulfillment of God's prophetic promise to save a people for himself. When we look to Jesus, when we read the words of Jesus, when we consider Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we see the word who became flesh and the proof that God holds fast to his words for us. So in conclusion, how are you handling God's word? Are you holding fast to it? Are you testing it to prove its preciousness and its worth? Are you accepting it? Are you submitting to it? God's revelation is a gift. Don't despise it. Handle it with care. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your word may be sweet and precious to us. 
I pray that through your precepts we gain understanding. I pray that we hate every false way. May your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Amen.